well, this is the way we're going to fix this. This is how we're going to move forward from here. Because, you know, again, if it was a critical vulnerability, it's if, I love okay, I love car analogies because, you know, most people you're a guy. get Because I'm a bloke. <laughs> but blokes like cars. But, but, but most people get it, right? If you had a flat tyre, you'd do something about it. You wouldn't drive around a flat tyre. If in a team member who isn't performing is a flat tyre. So you're either, you're either going to pump it up, you're going to take it to the garage and put some air in it, or you're going to change it if it's bald. You know, you're going to change it out. Some, so look at it from the point of view of don't drive your business around on a flat tyre. Welcome to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast, Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Practitioner to practitioner conversations to inspire, mentor and learn from. How can you build a team of staff who want to actively be part of your team? Have you ever wondered whether there are systems that you could put into place to encourage staff practitioners to stay long-term with you? And how do you build a cohesive team of practitioners? Gain, train and sustain. So these three business strategies will gain the staff you want and retain them. So today I'm going to take a break from the practitioner to practitioner conversations and engage in a targeted conversation to uncover the secrets to improve staff retention and running satisfied, dedicated teams. Meet Grant Doyle, the Managing Director of ExecForce, a corporate leadership and high-performance team development company that provides business development coaching to businesses from the top down. I'm Angela Carroll, and this is Standing on the Shoulders of Giants podcast. Thanks, Grant, for your time today. Uh, This is a little bit of a different podcast to the ones that we've been running previously. So this uh, is not a podcast with a practitioner, practitioner to practitioner, but I just thought that we'd enlist your help on getting some great advice for practitioners with regards to running teams, which seems a bit of a specialty of yours. Sure. Uh, and also with staff retention, employment, making a happy environment. No worries. Traditionally, uh, in the natural healthcare industry, practitioners have worked as sole practitioners. And they've only had themselves to worry about. But things have changed. People are building building bigger teams, bigger uh, environments from which to work from, because not one practitioner can do everything. So you need extra help, extra support there to be able to service your patients ideally. Um, So I really wanted to speak to you today about how can we make this work? How can practitioners be better team players? How can they build better environments? Uh, How do you make your staff want to stay? How do you help to build a cohesive environment? Sure. Do you have a plan? What, What do you do when you go into a business and you're looking at that kind of thing? Mine is gain, train, and sustain. So if I is can it break gain, that, gain, train, and sustain. Gain, train, and sustain. So if I can actually break that down a little bit further for you, the gain aspect of it is about understanding firstly what the culture is of your own business. Now, as a sole trader, you probably think that your culture is in fact just yourself. But if you have a look at it, you'll probably find it has a lot to do with the environment, so where you actually work from, the people that you work with. Um, the extension of yourself becomes the culture of your business. So the first thing you probably really need to do is to understand exactly what that fit is going to be like when you gain somebody who comes into your business. The gain aspect of it is if you look at it from the point of view of recruitment, one of the things that generally people do very badly when they gain people for their business is they don't take a 30 degree or a blind spot aspect to bringing somebody in. So they'll actually bring somebody in who may be in fact a friend or a 
in some cases a relative uh, or a friend of a friend. And because it, they seem that as being an easy fix, it cuts down the, the, the time for the, it takes to go to market or it takes the time for them to go through the recruiting process. So as a result, they end up getting somebody who probably is a little bit half-baked. It may in fact have almost, uh, they may have an interest in what that person does, but they're actually really not the right fit. And they don't go through a robust process of going through, you know, what normal recruiting processes would be. Um, and in some cases, it, it, it can in fact be worth spending some money to get a recruiting practitioner to at least help you along the lines with writing a, you know, what a position description looks like, a big picture, how that person is going to fit inside the organisational chart from a roles and responsibilities before you break that down. So the gain aspect then moves into where you onboard and induct that person. And again, I love to use the term above and below the line conversation. So when you actually go through the gain process, you've really got to align that person with the values that you've already set up in your business. Um, and that's always a good barometer for you to come back to. It's a, it's a good bar for you to come back if you need to at any point in time reference what that person may or may not be doing again against whether it's your culture or just from the practices within your business that you're not quite comfortable with it yeah. gives you a really good um, start point for a conversation to say well hey, why are we walking are we talking at this point in time above and below the line and, and if you look at it from the point of view of three things that happen above the line and three things that below you'll find the above stuff is very much about ownership accountability and responsibility so people who operate above the line always generally work within those three parameters yep. and if you talk about people who are below the line they're usually kind of in that kind of excuse that, that wasn't my fault blameology they'll blame other people you didn't tell me I wasn't given enough information and that generally boils down into denial so so can I so just going back sure. so the the line is a line of performance oh. is that is that what you're saying and 100%. so you either be you're either underperforming or overperforming well, it can also that be attitudinal. It can okay. be, you know, for some people who, um, and, and, and not saying that that's generational, but some generations certainly have a lot more ownership of the things that they do. There's a lot more accountability, responsibility and, and ownership around what they'll do. If they've got something wrong, they'll be the first person to own up. Some type of people that operate below the line will be the first thing to go into kind of blame, excuse and denial. So I'll be, I'll be pushing back. I'll be having conversations around, oh, I wasn't told, I didn't have that incorrect information, you know, or it was somebody else's fault. It's, you know, it's, it's always that kind of conversation. The best thing about having a conversation at the very beginning of employment with anybody is you actually have a really good way of being able to have a conversation with them post their employment about whether we're actually having a conversation above or below the line. And so are you talking, you're talking about um, having exit Exit interviews as well as entry interviews into the into the practice, into the business. Is that what you mean? 100%. Okay. Um, but also you can do, you know, from the point of view of performance interviewing, it really is a great way to start. And, and most people, if they operate below the line, you can get them to elevate to the point where you're saying, are we having a conversation now that's above or below the line? And most people, if you've already had the conversation with them at the very beginning, will elevate. And then you'll end up having an adult-to-adult -adult conversation as opposed to maybe a parent-to-child conversation yeah. that might happen from an employer-to-employee perspective, especially if there's only one or two or three of you in the business. Okay. What Can you have, though, an issue where you've got somebody that comes as an entry point and they definitely operate above their, their thinking, their, their way of looking, their attitude, mm -hmm. their level of accountability is above the line, but they drop below the line over the period of time in employment and that is, is that an issue with the employer? 
I, I, Are there an issue with the values that aren't sure. aligned? Is there some? Is there is there a way that you can actually go the other way? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that kind of boils down to my perspective on if you if you find that somebody from a performance perspective doesn't maintain the normal performance trajectory that you would have an expectation of them doing, or there's been a plateau, or in some cases they go backwards. For me, it would probably be more about understanding the cause and effect of why that's happening. Okay. So a lot of the time what we do is we see the effect of what's happening in someone's life, whether that be professional or or personal, and we end up trying to stick the Band-Aid on the broken arm. If -hmm. we actually drill down a little bit further and get the granular, you'll probably find that the cause aspect of that can probably bring out a lot more of what's going on within that person's life, their psychology, um, their even their well-being. So what I'm what I'm hearing from that to make that relatable to our practice practitioner audience is really what it sounds like you're saying is that the the attitudinal problems, the performance problems, the lack of people staying is like a symptom picture that a patient would have when they come into a practice and they yeah. say, oh, I've got stomach pains and I've got headaches and I've got aching muscles. Um, you've actually got to go back and look at the cause of that. 100%. So with your staff, you need to take the same attitude as you take with your patients. You've got to go back and look at the cause of what the, why they're not performing, why they're not, why they're below the line, why they want to leave. Totally. Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent. So can I um, come back to? I want to actually just do a little loop back because you mentioned something earlier that I think was really interesting, and that was about getting help to set up strategies, procedures for um, gaining, for that gain process. So can you explain that a little bit more? So, I mean, you know, there are a number of organisations that you could go and see with regards to getting, you know, ensuring that when you actually go to market, for instance, Mm -hmm. you're you're setting yourself up for success. You know, your ad's correct, you're putting it in the right spot, whether it's putting it on Seek or LinkedIn or you're putting it on a local bulletin board, it really doesn't matter as long as you've got the right dialogue. The narrative needs to be right based around what your business is and what you want to do and the journey you want to go on, how that person fits within the business. It's a little bit like understanding where everybody sits on the minibus. Um, who's the driver? Who's the conductor? You know, Who's the person? Who's at the back? And all that sort of stuff. So at the end of the day, you're getting the right people in the right seats and you've got to kind of get that right. And in some cases, you know, as a sole practitioner, we can, we can tend to kind of maybe do a little cut and paste and, you know, kind of gloss over a lot of stuff. And we really, in some cases, we don't articulate what our business actually looks like and where we're going. And so there's a visionary aspect to understanding, look, you know, we're bringing you in here because we're in a growth stage. So this is going to be, it's an energised situation in our business that we really want somebody who's enthusiastic, come, come along with a journey. Yes, the hours are going to be long or there's going to be, you know, going to have to do things that are not normally work practices, but at the end of the day, the reward as being a part of that is going to be so much more, um, I guess, intrinsic into building something that, you, you know, you're a part of. So again, you won't find that a lot in CCADs. You won't get that kind of dialogue, but yeah. if you're getting the right people who understand how to actually write that, the narrative then goes to market in the best way. The second part of that, of course, is getting somebody to look through you know, and, and if you needed to shortlist or you needed to do, conduct preliminary invest, you know, sorry, preliminary interviews, you've got somebody who's a complete third party who, again, can look at your business and say, I get an understanding of what you're like culturally. I know what you want, the journey that you're on. I know where you want to go. And this person may or may not fit you. You might have already fallen in love with the fact that, you, you know, their CV or someone gave them 
you know, a leg up in the process or gave them a reference and before you know it, you're, you're actually already falling in love with the person. And then of course, if they are a friend or a, a relative or a, or a friend of a friend, when it comes, uh, unfortunately, when the come time comes where it doesn't work, there's actually a lot more collateral damage. So by actually bringing somebody in who's a third party, you, you can remove yourself from that, I guess, too close to the coalface kind of aspect of bringing somebody into your business. And the last one of that, of course, is that again, very good, um, whether it be recruitment or HR specialists, can provide you with the right type of you know, contracts, whether that person be coming on as a you know a contractor or in, in, you know, and maybe they have their own ABN and they, they're going to work so many hours or the, the legalities of bringing somebody on means that you don't set yourself up for failure. You've okay. got a success equation that goes all the way through it. So that's... All right. So, so if I was to wrap up the gain aspect of what we're talking about, there are a few key things to consider. <clears throat> so what I'm hearing first, if I was to actually prioritise this, I think that... First of all, the clinic, the practitioner, the head practitioner, whoever's running the show, needs to be needs to have a vision. They need to know where they want to go, what they actually want out of having that person involved. It's not just, oh my God, I'm floundering and I've got so much work on, I need an extra person to come in. It has to be 100%. bigger than that. So you have the vision, you know what they want, you know where the role they're going to fill and you need to make sure that the person you're hiring is value aligned with, mm -hmm. with your vision. Okay, step number one. Step number two is uh, get help to uh, go through the employment process, the interview process, so that it um, isn't quite so personal. Mm -hmm. um, so it takes that aspect out. Remove of the emotion. Yeah, Remove the emotion. Okay, I like, I like that. And then the above and the below the line conversation is employ, start by employing somebody who has an above the line thinking mm -hmm. and... Um, process of accountability mm -hmm. um, as a starting point or if you think they're a good match but they're just slightly below the line then you're going to need to put in the next stage which is training mm -hmm. to bring them up is that is, would that sum up the gain aspect yeah certainly I mean I think anyone that I employ in my business the first conversation we have at that induction onboarding process is above and below the line conversation okay. about understanding how my expectations are of that person and again it's, it's a two-way conversation what their expectations of me are you know and which kind of folds into the next aspect which I'm talking about which is of course the train part training is in my opinion about development so true leaders develop people managers manage things leaders develop people so the development aspect of it is about putting somebody on a journey and a pathway a success map and management process so that they they understand that you know in so much as not just three weeks' time, but three months' time or three years' time, this is where their skill set, their knowledge base would be. Um, and along the way, you're going to do a review process. You're going to develop that person. You're going to train this. Most people, if you look at it from the point of view of any re recruitment process, and, and I'm not a recruitment expert by any way, stretch the imagination, but <laughs> it's very rare, having, having employed a lot of people in my time, it's very rare for you to actually go and find somebody in the market who fulfills 100% of what you want. You generally, as a rule, find somebody... It's like somebody... finding the perfect match, isn't it? It is true. <laughs> um, it's a little bit like you end up with somebody who's about 85%, 80 to 85%. Okay. And um, 80 to 85% is good? Like that's a good match for an employment? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, you know, again, based on things that are going to be 
um, I guess barriers for you will be, you know, how much you're going to pay that person, wages and salary, the time that they've got available, mm. the, these things that, and in some cases, as you start out, you may think, well, maybe I need somebody who's part-time and I can move that person into a full-time position. That's, that's again, one of those things that's quite difficult. Most people look for part-time roles and positions of generally because of the circumstances that are in their personal life. So then generally, as a rule, they can't do that. So you've got to then come up with a solution of, well, then do I keep that person on? Do I bring somebody in who's full-time? And, and so again, you have the this kind mm -hmm. of real... So again, at the very beginning, it's like being able to say, well, this is the role, it's going to develop into this, would you be prepared to do that? So the training aspect of it allows you to, to kind of map that person's development. And you... Um, and again, if you go back to the 80% equation, it's the first thing that you should do is to say, well, here's a deficiency. We, before we even start, this is a deficiency that I see within you from the point of view of, you know, as a team member. So as a team member, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to bridge that 20%. And, these are the, and it could be something as simple as, you know, you don't get spreadsheets as well as I need you to do, or you're not, a, you know, you're not across a 365 suite, or you're not in, you know, it wouldn't matter what it is you, you know, you... Maybe we need to send you across to do some creative design or get you in a LinkedIn course or anything that's out there that you can actually get to bridge that. So that's the first thing. And then, of course, after that, well, how are we going to develop you further? Hmm. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, I sort of hadn't thought about it that way because I think a lot of practitioners go, okay, well, you know, here you are, you're hitting 80% of what we need. These are your strengths. Let's just go with that. Oh, no, look, let's just sort of ignore those weaknesses. Mm. Um, it's too uncomfortable a conversation for me to talk about your weaknesses. Mm. It's too um, uncomfortable to say you need improvement mm -hmm. um, when it's when they're sort of major deficiency areas. Mm -hmm. well, I always think that ninety percent of development is based on weaknesses and constraints. So Can you say you, that again. Ninety percent of development is based on weaknesses and constraints. Okay, what do you mean by that? It means if you can identify people's weaknesses and constraints, yep. that's the first area you need to actually talk about from a development perspective. Okay. So the, in most cases, as you just said, some people will find that as a difficult conversation. I think if you actually uh, reframe that, it's actually a really easy conversation to have because you, you can get complete 100% engagement. If you're actually sitting there talking about how I'm going to develop you, it doesn't make a lot of sense to say I'm going to I'm going to really start to develop your strengths when in fact it's like well let's actually talk about what your weaknesses and constraints are because if we can actually build those up, the other strengths that you've got will also build as well. So it almost becomes a byproduct. Mm. So you've got to be able to I think have the it's and again it's about a reframe. It's being able to have a conversation again above the line. This is what you know you're going to own the fact that yeah I've got some weaknesses and I've got some constraints. Um, and, I'm, and I want, and I want the, 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 I want to be able to build on those. So, yeah. Ken, uh, I'm just thinking with that. A lot of practitioners that do have other practitioners in their clinics or are doing the hiring to, to build and expand their businesses, mm. they're usually pretty flat out. Mm. So the training aspect, them training. Um, other staff, it, the simple things are, are straightforward, as in, you know, this is how our office operational system works, this is how our accounting system works, this is how we run appointments, that's not too hard to do. Mm. But for the other things, the more... Um, is the more the, the more complicated stuff, the more time-consuming stuff, mm. are there resources, are there ways um, to... Or, or are there um, opportunities outside of a practice situation to get the training for the staff? 
Yes, 100%. So I think the first thing, of course, is there's nothing better than a vicarious learning environment where persons can actually learn from just being on site. And, you know, I mean, I would, in your in your field, in your sector, in your industry, and it, you know, maybe the, there's an, an opportunity for, you know, bipartisan embedment of somebody who, who's got a larger practitioner, who's got more staff, and actually say, hey, can I send someone, my new employee across and spend half a day with you? Um, that's firstly, I mean, that's one aspect. The, expo- the other one, of course, is doing anything that's online. There are a lot of online stuff out there that okay. you can certainly get your hands on. Outsourcing. Um, And the other one, of course, is short coursing. And I think probably the last one is bringing people in to spend half a day or a day with your your team and in a specialist field. So, you know, you might pay a little bit more to have somebody come in and actually spend half a day with your people. But the benefit of having them in on the work site, doing the work site related stuff has great benefit. I like that suggestion. I think that's a great idea. Grant, that's great advice about the getting somebody in to come and do training or offering extra training courses, that side of things. Um, I think also a part of training, core training aspect for any practice is to train in the systems that you have set up in practice Mm. uh, using your operations manual. Now, I'm, Mm. I'm a little bit shocked at the number of businesses that don't have operations manuals or or policies and procedures manuals Mm. Uh, so I think step number one how do you feel about that put making sure there is one in place oh 100% I think I often refer to that as um, if you're on a trajectory around like the steel ramp of success the steel ramp of success the steel ramp of success which gives you you know like your growth is great you know incremental um, financial is you know your finances are great you're doing well margins are good you're making good money if you don't have the pillars underneath that that support it you'll find that's where the business will collapse and it'll be only one of those things that's made of honeycomb that that causes a bit of a falter and it can in fact be a lot to do with the ir and industrial relations and hr stuff that you're not you you just haven't looked at policies procedure manuals employment pds making sure that you've got big picture you know just understanding that you know an employee that works for you, a team member that works for you at the time, is all on board until something goes wrong. And when it goes wrong and they leave, all bets are off. And that's where you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. I actually say that the best way to think about this is the return on investment happens at the beginning, not at the end. So think about where things could go wrong every single time you bring a new team member on and think about how can I best you know, galvanise myself and, and build a scaffold around my business so that that doesn't happen. And in nine, case, nine cases out of ten, it's really simple. It's just the fact that you've got to go out and get, you know, some type of manual procedure policy, some something that fits within the legislation of the business that you've got, ensuring that, you know... Really understand about an operations manual or a policies and procedures manual. That is a step-by-step written guide of everything that you do, a process that everything you do in the practice, right from... When you walk in the door, how you set up, uh, the way you do your consultations, the way you pay your bills, the uh, training sessions that you have, the way that everything's dispensed, uh, appointment structures and flows and those sorts of things, events and ways that things run in the, in the clinic. Mm-hmm. So if you have one of those, you have a record of how everything works, then your 
employees, your staff members, as long as they've read that, and I would also recommend they read it and that you have a signed document that mm-hmm. they say that you have actually that they have read it and they mm-hmm. have understood the whole manual. Um, that then there's no recourse if they if they're doing things by the manual then there shouldn't be an issue with mm-hmm. with their employment aspect of things as long as they are operating above the line mm. in their attitudes and and processes so as far as the training side of things goes i I said I really, really love the idea of having external trainers come in and look at what you can do and develop. And I actually feel that, you know, in, in this industry also, as as you have junior practitioners come in and they start to learn the ropes and learn how to be better practitioners and learn how a clinic runs, learn how your clinic runs, they can get to a stage where they go, okay, well, what's next? What what's What else is in it for me? I'm not getting anything out of this. It's day in, day out. You know, a lot of the the money and the profits and the kudos often goes into the big business itself and not to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it all has to all be about them, but in some cases that can cause friction, that can cause people to to leave. But if you have an ongoing training development process, then they're constantly getting fed. They're constantly being nourished. Their minds are nourished. They they're being challenged. They're learning new ways of doing things. Um, so that I, that I really like it from that perspective. That mm-hmm. would be a great way to keep staff on. Another thing that I was thinking about, well, you know, having team meetings on a regular basis, okay, and a lot of practice, practices do that, but it's not always a compulsory thing. It's like, oh, if you happen to be in on Wednesday morning, then, mm. then let's go through it. But having stuff where each team member, each employee, and I think I actually prefer the word team member, so each team member is responsible and accountable for aspects that bring benefit into the company or into the business itself, into the practice itself. So they might be like, I went to this thing and I learned this new marketing technique. I'd really like to try this as long as it's in line with the company vision, business vision. Yep. Um, What about, you know, what about networking with this external um, body? What about um, setting up this training program? What if we have this new program that we implement? Let's just say, uh, you know, recently we we brought out a new allergy program. Mm Mm-hmm. So what if, you know, a staff member had gone to that and go, oh, you know, I'd really love to launch a standalone allergy program or I'd really like to do the VLA training or I'd like to do something else so that they're constantly growing as opposed to stagnating and feeling that they've got itchy feet and they need to go out somewhere else. Is that, where do you sit with that on a big business you do? 100%. I think the value of team meetings where you have people who, and, and, you know, I mean, I use this term loosely, but subject matter expertise is that what you end up doing is you having champions in your business who become the, the go-to people. And one of the things about meetings is, generally as a rule, if you go to a meeting, you're already walking into a meeting with the dynamic in your head, I'm either going to be receiving or transmitting information. So your actual, the preamble in your brain is, I'm actually going to be, what am I going to say, who am I saying it to, which is great, but you generally don't, go there to receive information you're there to sort of transmit it so it's kind of like there's a lost fragment of that there's a void that happens and then of course if I'm not actually presenting on the day then well I don't really go in there with much maybe a notebook I make two or three notes and away I go but I don't actually think about so at the point of time where you actually start to correlate the two aspects between transmit and receive information you actually change the dynamic of how that actually in your brain how your brain actually starts to process that information because you've yeah. now got to be available for both. 
okay. which means you know team meetings where you have subject matter expertise where you know every single person in that team is going to talk about something and you know everybody else is going to learn from somebody else so in fact what it actually does it's not a meeting it's actually more to do with a passage of information or uh, you know it's a, again it's a learning process for every single person who's in the meeting the person who owns the business might not be the expert on every aspect of the business because we've got a number of champions in there who are that's what they do so as you as you filter through that you'll find that the development process again is about aligning people with what they really want and yeah. what they want to get out of it and, and it might be as you suggest it might be allergies so there might be somebody in your business who becomes the allergy expert so every single person and i mean i work with physio for, for instance who they've got somebody in their business who's the back person someone who's the neck person someone who's the foot person so in some cases they'll say listen i'm actually not 100 percent sure about this i'm actually going to get one of my colleagues to come in and have a look and they might move them out, out of a room bring somebody in 10 or 15 minutes Oh, okay. Well, you've got probably a hip displacement here, which is causing these problems, which is why you've got the, well, you've got the shoulder problem. Yep. Um, and the same thing happens that you get suddenly you have this kind of real hybrid vigor that, it, that happens within teams because I don't have to be a generalist anymore. Yep. Although I will be across a number of things, I'm suddenly developed as a specialist, and that means you move into the second, the sorry, the third aspect, which is the sustainability aspect of of your team, which means I now have a future. I va- I'm valued. I have an identity, mm. and as soon as you start to provide value and identity to people, it it suddenly doesn't become about remuneration and wages. It actually becomes more about that I'm value add, I'm, I'm valued within the business, and I now have an identity. So, even from the outset, you want to sort of start to identify someone that moves into your team about what they're actually going to have as, especially a subject matter expertise. Now you can align that with a role and just you know a description if you wish. And some people are more aligned to the identity piece of you know, title rather than somebody who wants to go actually and develop themselves. Some some people will be more aligned with title. I I like to use that the accolade equation. So understanding when somebody needs or how they like to be given accolade because it's all different. Some people, of course, will want you to you know it's employee of the month time type of thing. That's great. Have a cake and you know terrific. Some people that will actually be a very toxic environment for them to be involved with. They don't want to actually be pulled out in front of their peers and given some type of accolade. So for them it might be a 30 minute, sorry, a 30 second to a minute conversation in your office about, thanks very much, great, well done, here's a couple of movie vouchers. Some people will want you to have the three-piece band and the red carpet at the front door of, of the office. So you've got to understand how people work mm-hmm. and you've got to kind of tone that to make sure that you don't put people back because what you don't want to do is debilitate their own um, self-powered development as well. Because the best thing about doing anything with sustainability is if you can get the person involved to be in charge of their own development, oh my God, it's so much easier. And you'll find that people will actually come to you with solutions on how they can be better, how how I can how, how I can develop myself better. How and that then of course has a runoff effect to the business itself. So I think I need a bit more explanation around that. Um, you get, okay, so I'm just going to paraphrase what you said. You get the best way for sustainability and development of team members is mm. that they get involved or they are, they're responsible for their own development. Mm-hmm. So by that are you saying that they find their own interests, they find their own passions, they find their own weaknesses or find solutions to those? Yeah, or? I mean they're directed. So you kind of almost... Um, you know, you take them to a position where, you know, we're ready for you to become an influencer in the business. 
Okay. And that, again, if you use that kind of narrative, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful word. So what I want you to do is, I'll, I'll, you've been here for a while now, I'd like you to tell me what, what really, what gets you going? What, what, what do you grab out for? What's the things that you tend to kind of look more for in articles or online or... You know, if any sort of information comes your way, what do you sort of skim over and what do you spend time reading? And that person then, you well, let's let's get you some more, you know, expertise in that area. Let's get you more developed in that area. Let's, let's build you up as an influencer in this business for, and again, if, you know, your, your example of allergies, for instance, or it could be something completely different. But once you've got that person to the position where they feel empowered to be able to go ahead and do that, they'll start to, de- to determine their own education and they'll actually start to develop themselves. All you then need to do is just continually keep review and develop, review and develop. Okay. So that'll make sense. Review and develop, uh, review. So let's, can we talk about review aspect? Mm-hmm. Is there a recommended time frame that you review a staff member? Um, we, for example, at um, the office, we review every 12 months as, yeah. a, as an overall. But I don't feel that's enough, and in recent times we're breaking that down into a little bit more of a regular review of staff. Uh, I think in a practice setting, every 12 months is too long because your metrics can be severely down, Mm -hmm. your measurements can be, uh, performance measurements can be severely down, and that can be missed Mm -hmm. if it's 12 months. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently, and it was talking about human behaviour. And there's a middle and a, sorry, a beginning, a middle and an end. In the beginning, people are enthusiastic, they want to go, everything's great. Uh, and then the middle stage, they just start to lag if there's too long a time frame for performance. Mm-hmm. So you give somebody a job to do and, you know, you give them a long lead time for when it's due in, then they don't start that for quite a while, even though they're enthusiastic and they're thinking about it, they actually won't get a start. That middle phase doesn't happen for a long time if there is a long lead time until the finish, sure. the expectation time. So I'm just thinking going, applying this, looking at your review process. If you've got someone that's excited and this is what they're going to do and this is a great way to go, you have the middle section where they actually go, that's the part where they do the doing, mm. and then the end part is the review final part. If you have a – they have people run faster to the end. You, if you go to any marathon, any sprint thing, mm. people will actually – run faster when they get to the sprint line. Oh, my God, it's, I've got 100 metres to go and they sprint to the end. Um, people work hard and fast to, when there's an end aspect. So on a review process, if you had a continual process of review, mm-hmm. um, say every three months, for example, and here's your things that you're going to be doing over those three months and let's work to that end process, then in my mind um, I could see that that would keep the business constantly rolling forward and keep those staff constantly rolling forward because they know there's a review process coming, there's stuff that they want to be achieving by that end time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that fit in a, as a business model from your experience and, and your coaching? So the first thing I think is that you need to review team. That's the first aspect review of Review team first. Team, yes. Okay, you, yep. The reason I say that, in, uh, I think in, in I'll use it, uh, I hope I'm not going to, Ruffle any feathers. But in Australia, yeah. we review people quite well, I think. We appraise people pretty well. But okay. what we don't do is we don't appraise teams 
we don't actually get everyone yeah. together and collectively work out what we're doing really well, okay. what we're doing badly. I like to use the term strengths, weaknesses, and requirements. So what are we strong at? What are we weak at? And what are our requirements? What does centrifugally mean you know, for us to actually operate? What do we need? If you do that, you'll find when you end up doing the individual reviews post that, there will be a lot of stuff that's already fallen out. So instead of you going through and, again, if I look at the cause and effect equation, you're not actually putting the Band-Aid on the broken arm because you've already been able to work out from the team perspective why you've got a deficiency in some areas and that person, why that person might not be operating as well as you want them to because of the team dynamic. Or it might be the fact that, you know, the, there's, some, there's some broken bits within the team, there's some communication problems, there's things that, that just aren't working right. So the first thing I think about is do a review process team. The second thing is individuals. I love to use the term 30, 60, 90 day informal and formal appraisal process. So 30 every day, 30 days every 60 days every 90 days Correct. and you have a <coughs> informal and a formal process. Yeah, so the okay. formal happens on the 90 day. Yep. Now again, you've got to kind of work this out against understanding how people map their own success. So if you asked everybody in a room um, when was the most successful time in your life, you'll find people are generally boiled down to one or two, you know, an A or a B type person. The A will be somebody who can immediately go bang, I can tell you exactly when it was, the date, everything that led up to it, and it'll be some part of their life that they find is, was successful. Category B people tend to kind of, they'll bounce around, you know, is Grant talking to me about when I was at school, post-school, career, when I was a parent, um, these sorts of things. So they're kind of like, they're not 100% sure. They'll continually keep kind of searching and seeking it. It doesn't come easy. And if you look at it from the point of view of putting a man on the moon, which is a great equation, you'll find that everybody who's category A went to the moon. Every single meter that we traveled from, you know, on the Apollo 11 space mission, when they went to the moon, all they were thinking about was getting to the moon. Category B people, Every meter that they went towards the moon, they're thinking about how the heck am I going to get home? So, the, 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 I'm category B. And so am I. The, 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 the reaction with that is if you understand how people are, because what some category A people are event focused. So, 30, 60, and 90 days for them is very easy. So, if you say, we're going to have an informal catch up every 30 days, but on the third of that, we're actually going to do that in a formal setting. I'm actually going to take some notes. I'm going to, we're actually going to, going to go back to the whole kind of measured performance activity tactics strategy vision values equation we're actually going to measure your performance so that's going to happen every 30 days now category a people they'll get that the category b people what you'll need to do is you're continually at every sort of 30 days having to kind of push that out a little bit so you'll still do the 90 days but you're not going to go to 90 and then do another 90 like the category a people will do category b at the at the first 30 you're going to talk about the next 30 and the next 30, which means, you know, you've got a formal process coming up, like you said, which is a kind of run to the finish line. At the next 30, we're all, in 30 days' time, we're going to be talking about your formal approach. But beyond that, what are we doing? Beyond that, what are we doing? So you're kind of giving these Category B people the over-the-horizon thought process. So they're continually striving to get to where they need to go. The problem with trying to do that with a Category A person is they're all about the event. I just need to get to the event, exactly as you said. I'm going to run to the finish line. The other people, the, the Category B people, they're already thinking about the race that's beyond the finish line. So you've kind of you've got to massage and understand how people understand psychologically, yeah. and then you've got to map their success and management around that. 
Is there a resource? Is there a place uh, practitioners could go to learn more about that so they can identify their staff members um, as to be category A, category B, so they know how to talk to them? Uh, I think it's as simple as asking the question that I just asked you, which is about what, you know how do you what, what was when was the most successful time in your life? That you generally, as a result of that question, you'll get an understanding of how that person is. Getting down into the granule of understanding the psychology of, of that, I mean, you can do disc profiling and or any other, whatever it is mm-hmm. that you use. But I think it's a rational of understanding how that person's going to be able to map their own personal development and performance management. And they're the two things, personal development and performance management. And if you can combine the two, so we're going to, this is where we want you to go, this is the journey that you're on, and... This is how we're going to map against the measured performance against your activity. This is how we're going to do it, both those equations. So there's a work and there's a development process. Mm-hmm. So every single time you come back to talk to them, you can have that conversation based on, well, where are we at? You said that this was going to happen over the last 30 days. Again, you're having an above-the-line conversation, ownership, accountability, responsibility. This is what you said you're going to do. Where are we at with that? You can almost get that person, again, the best thing for me is to getting somebody to, to own their own performance and own their own development. It means it, it draws mm-hmm. away from you as the owner of the business to do it because you've, you've actually set it up. You've set yourself up for success because you've been able to give that person you know, 30, 60, 90 days. I think 12 months from my, as you quite rightly pointed out, 12 months is way too long. 12 months for some people is just like, that's a, that's a lifetime away, right? Yep. But 30 days is a month. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a tangible. What are you going to do? What activity are you going to, what are we going to measure from a performance perspective against what you said that you were going to do or you know, what's the agreement in the next 30 days? And yep. then, of course, you've got the 60 and the 90 and then we'll mm-hmm. go again, we'll go again. Yep. So I, so, you know, I'm thinking 30, to 30, 60, 90. When I was listening, when we first started this conversation, I was going, oh, yeah, that's feasible. And then I tell him, oh, my God, that's only one month. Mm. So you're saying that we have an informal review every month and I can hear practitioners going, oh, but I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. How long do I need? Where do I fit that in? Oh, my God, this is not going to be able to happen. Is that sustainable? Mm-hmm. But I think if I was to actually counter that, I would actually say, it's, it's going to cost you a lot less to do an informal 30-day review every 30 days till you reach that 90-day point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to cost you a lot less time and a lot less financially by doing those regular check-ins. Wow, and performance uh, could go ahead in streaks mm. um, than getting to the end of 12 months and you've lost a staff member or they're underperforming and you're resentful at the end of every mm. time. I mean, I know... Oh, yeah. I've, worked before with people and you go oh they did that you know you can't sleep at night because you're so annoyed with their underperformance or their lack mm-hmm. of ability or whatever it is yep. but you haven't had a conversation with them they don't know you're annoyed about it they don't they don't know what's going on in your head so unless you actually have those check-ins <laughs> uh then yeah you know you, you're not going to you're not going to have those benefits so i think yeah. in, in actual fact it's that st- stitch in time saves nine mm. aspect i think if you look at it from the point of view of if I, uh, most business owners who have team, what's the critical vulnerability they've got in their business? It will always be around team. Yeah. So if it was something else, if it was a system, it was a process, you'd spend time, effort and energy on it. You'd fix it. So I think it's about looking at your people as being the greatest benefit and the most critical vulnerability. So spend the time, effort and energy that you need. As I said, return on investment starts at the beginning. So I think... 
those conversations you need to have around nothing changes until the unspoken word is spoken is about, you know, if you've got a problem and an issue with somebody, then, you know, bring it to light. Yep. yep. Put, you know, and, and say, well, this is the way we're going to fix this. This is how we're going to move forward from here. Because, you know, again, if it was a critical vulnerability, it's if, I, love, okay, I love car analogies because, you know, because you're a guy. Because I'm a bloke. <laughs> blokes like cars. But, but, but most people get it, right? If you had a flat tyre, you'd do something about it. You wouldn't drive around a flat tyre. And a team member who isn't performing is a flat tyre. So you're either, you're either going to pump it up, you're going to take it to the garage and put some air in it, or you're going to change it if it's bald. You know, you're going to change it out. Some, so look at it from the point of view of don't drive your business around on a flat tyre. I love that. That was that's fantastic. Okay, so I think I'm um, wrapping things up a little bit. Gain, train, and sustain is your three checkpoints for mm-hmm. any business owner to really focus on each of those areas. Um, if they need extra help, go find extra help. Mm-hmm. Um, if I think probably also from that is well, what are your weaknesses? You know, if you're constantly going through staff, if you're constantly having problems, there's a common denominator. Mm. Uh, and you need to actually look at and identify where that problem could be. Is it in the gain phase? Is it in the train phase? Or is it in the sustain phase? Or is it in a combination of all of those? So um, I don't think that that whole, we hear constantly, good staff are hard to find. Mm. Um, people want jobs, people want to work, people want to be part of something. Mm. So people are looking for employment, um, but if it is difficult consistently consistently in your practice, then you've got to put systems in place to be able to counter that and to be able to, to fix the flat tyre in their own business. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? 100%. Okay, so the name of this podcast is Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Mm. Do you have any advice for practice managers, for practice owners mm. with regards to running teams on how they can actually be a giant? Yeah, look, I love critical critical analysis of self. So, a walk down the hall of mirrors, um, spending some critical think time on exactly who you are and how you turn up. The big question I would always ask anybody in in any leadership position is, would you follow yourself? Because if you if there's some deficiencies in there, again, no one's perfect. So. If you know that you've got some some issues and some problems, if you know, what kind of person are you turning up to every day at work? What's your attitude like? What's your physiology like? What's your focus like? What's your languaging like? All these things to me make for great, you know, view time in the mirror and having a good look and bounce back and exactly what it is that you're, because at the end of the day, the team that you're developing is going to be a direct reflection of yourself. So culture is built 100% on leadership. And the only way that you can change culture is by changing the way that the leaders turn up. So I think for me, it's always about critical analysis, walk down the hall of mirrors, look at who you are. And of course, the last question, which I love asking any leader is, would you follow yourself? So I hope that, hope that helps. I'm sure that there are some practitioners out there that might uh, decide they want to get advice from you personally. They might want to take your coaching. Uh, they might want to follow what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So we'll put all of your... Uh, contacts into the show notes so that they can have that so we'll add your 
We'll add your website yep. in. Uh, do you have a Facebook page or anything people can follow you on there, or is yeah. there some Exec sort of Force way? Exec Force has a, a Facebook page. Yeah. Okay, so Exec Force. Yep. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Metagenics Best Practice Podcast. Find us on iTunes and leave a review. Join our practitioner-only Metagenics Facebook group to be informed of new podcast releases, keep up to date with key industry updates and more. Visit metagenics.com.au to find useful links and resources relating to this podcast and sign up to our e-newsletter.